Well, good morning, Springbrook. It's so good to be back with you. Uh, so much looking forward to today. Uh, you guys mean so much to me, and you are family. That's the beautiful thing about the church. Uh, the people here, I know, care and love for me, and I seek to care and love for them. And uh, you know, and when I was away, you know, it's nice to get a break, but. Uh, do some work, but at the same time, I miss you guys. So it's great to be back. And uh, just a little update on uh, my vacation. I take all my vacation weeks together. So you know, house projects and spending time with the boys and uh, just whatever Lori wants me to do, I try to do. <laughs> Uh, and uh, what this is this is going to be something. Anybody heard of the Davy bikes in Chicago? Anybody heard about those Davy bikes in Chicago? All right. Well, I'm going to give you a great idea uh, to see Chicago. This is a Divi bike. It's public transportation. And what you do is you pay seven dollars for the whole day for your credit card, and then you get to ride 30 minutes. And there are stations all over the place. So if you want to keep riding, you Park the Divi bike and get a new Divi bike out. If you want to stay in that area for a while, well, you just stay in that area for a while and you can come back to the Divi bike. I, I, we went down the lake shore. I went down there twice. Uh, oh, it's just so beautiful. I mean, it, it's just it's a great way to see Chicago. You can get around wherever you want, that type of thing. The only downside is you have to ride this particular bike. Uh, <laughs> it's, you know, it's just a little strange looking, and it's got, you know, the headlight on it. <laughs> like I was talking to a guy uh, from Chicago, and he said, oh, yeah, we call you guys Diviants. <laughs> you know, you get in front of the cars and crowds and get those people out there. I am proud to be a Diviant, and I will continue to be a Diviant. It's cheap, it's fun, and I love Chicago. Uh, we also went out to Colorado. Uh, There's a picture of the whole family uh, at Red Rocks Amphitheater. How many have been there before? Red Rocks Amphitheater, right outside of Denver. Just gorgeous. If you go there, you've got to go to Red Rocks. Uh, I always think of John Denver when, I, when I'm there. And uh, so that was fun. I uh, went to a prayer conference there with the family. A lot of great inspiration as we try to really weave prayer into the fabric of our ministry. And we had some great speakers while I was gone. And I got great feedback, and I'm so glad uh, for their ministry. Uh, to you today, I'm starting a new series entitled Doing Church God's Way. Doing church God's way. I don't know about you, but I always have to be reminded of how to do things God's way because I can fall into sinful patterns. And, and so many people have so many different ideas about what the church is and what the role of the church is in their life. Well, God spells it out so clearly in Scripture. The five purposes of the church, worship, evangelism, disciple-making, fellowship, and ministry. That's what God's church is all about. And what I also, my concern as a, 
we continue to move forward is that people are becoming more and more casual about being engaged in a church, uh, taking ownership in a church, becoming members in a church. And there's also really consumer Christians uh, who will just say, you know, yeah, I watch whoever on Sunday morning, and they think they're doing what God wants them to do. No, 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 no. God never intended you not to be part of a church body. It's all about relationships. And, 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 and I've talked to people that, you know, are pretty mature in my mind. And, you know, well, you know, we had a bad experience at a church. Okay, well, <laughs> you got a bunch of sinners together uh, trying to do a mission together. We're imperfect. You're going to have some conflict sometimes. So hopefully you can work through it in a biblical process and come to understand each other and forgive each other. That's what the church is. I mean, if you take off the time to take off just because there's some kind of conflict, that's not commitment. So that really is the essence. You know, this church is led by Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. He, he is the head shepherd. He is the one who created this church. He is the one who sustains this church. And he holds the future of this church in his hands. And I'm just an under-shepherd. I'm so privileged to be your pastor. I take it very seriously. Uh, try to be humble as I can. Because, I, well, it doesn't take much work because I'm making mistakes. <laughs> you know? You just realize how weak you are. But, ah, just to be able to serve you guys and, and lead you guys and, and see life change take place, that is a beautiful, beautiful uh, thing. But you see, here's the point, guys. When you are committed to a church, you're, you're not committed in a sense of the church. You're not committed to Dan Harris. You're not committed to a building. You are committed to Jesus Christ. So when... When we talk about being committed to worship together, that's a commitment to Jesus Christ. When we talk about committed to minister and disciple each other, those are commitments that you have toward Jesus Christ. When we talk about fellowship and discipleship, those are commitments that you are making to Jesus Christ. Now again, everybody's on a different uh, part of their spiritual pathway. But, 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 my desire as I watch people grow is that they just continue to grow in their understanding of the beauty of the church and, and just being committed to it, good and bad, you know, great times, hard times, all that kind of stuff. And so what I want to do during this series is look at the five purposes of the church. Today we'll look at evangelism, uh, next week we'll look at discipleship. Uh, next week we'll look at fellowship or Christian relationships. The week after that we'll look at ministry together. And then on our 18th anniversary, oh man, I'm old. <laughs> on our 18th anniversary, we're going to celebrate God's goodness. And we're going to celebrate the worship uh, to our Savior. But today we are going to talk about reaching people together. Now this is going to be an interactive Message. So I want you to take out this green sheet. Okay, everybody do that. You need your green sheet. Now remember, we're a disciple-making church. So 
uh, as you listen to messages or study things, take notes and share them with someone else, okay? Especially with your kids. That's the first place to start. When you learn something, just, you know, during dinner time, you know, I, I really want to encourage you to share what you write down here. Because I think it will be very enriching uh, for your children or uh, for your friends, whoever, you know, you're having uh, lunch with. But, uh, so, let's get started. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to take a bird's eye view of this thing. All right? Uh, we see, as for you, uh, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Now, a lot of people don't understand this, but every baby that is born is born spiritually dead on arrival. Not a good thing to share with people, you know, who are there at the hospital. <laughs> hey, your baby's dead spiritually. No. But it is the truth, okay? It's not like the first sin that the baby commits. It gets in the works orientation. Well, I've been a pretty good person. I've done my works. No, you are dead out of the womb, okay? You don't have any spiritual energy. You have no connection with God. It's through heredity that your parents pass down to you a sinful nature. And so you were condemned coming out of the womb. That's very important to understand. There's never been a time. He was, oh, I've been a Christian all my life. I say, no, you haven't. <laughs> yeah. I don't say it like that, but I kind of, you know, flush it out for him. I mean, <laughs> you have to reach, reach the age of accountability to understand it. Uh, but at the same time, uh, babies are born dead on arrival. And they stay that way until uh, God enters uh, their life. Now, yeah, I, I was thinking about this, and I'm thinking, how can we become more aware of the fact that the people that are our friends and our family and our neighbors and the people we do sports with or whatever, how can be, we be more aware of the fact of their spiritual condition? How many watch The Walking Dead? Any fans out there? Yeah, yeah, my son loves it. It's the most popular show on cable. I never quite got into it. I could see why people would like it. But uh, The Walking Dead, all right? Now, your typical zombie, right? I know that's not the modern zombie, but that's what I grew up with. They never run, even though they seem to catch up with everybody. But uh, that's it. Now, Walking Dead, I, they can run and, you know the modern zombie, whatever the case might be. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're dead. And, and they're dead looking. In fact, I got this off the Internet. Now, I, I think this is Jim Carrey as a zombie. I can't guarantee you that. But it was up there. And uh, so you see Jim Carrey. Now, I want you to imagine Jim Carrey as whoever you relate to, neighbor, person at your work, uh, another person that you come in contact regularly. Now, Jim Carrey looks normal on the right side. Now, let's just forget Jim Carrey's name. Let's just say this is any person in your life who doesn't know Jesus. Now, what if tomorrow you woke up and everyone who did not have a personal relationship with Christ looked like that? Okay? 
So you get in the car, you're, you're going down Randall Road, and you're going like, whoa, <laughs> this is weird. <laughs> it would be kind of fascinating to see how many Christ followers are out there, right? But everybody who doesn't have Jesus, they would look something like that. They would look like the walking dead. So you go to work in your elevator, you're surrounded by zombies. You, you go up to work, you're surrounded by zombies, <laughs> you know, uh, you go to the, the, uh, uh, you go to the park, and the little, you know, zombie kids running around, and zombie moms, and things of that nature, and uh, that really helps me personally, because it, it's so hard sometimes, you know, you see other people, and you say, wow, you know, they're just like me. they got the same challenges as I do. And sometimes they even seem more righteous than me. <laughs> you know? I mean, they're not even a Christ follower, but they seem to have their act better, act together better. And, and you just kind of, it lulls you into a sense of complacency. Like, there's, there's nothing wrong uh, with that person. I don't want to, you know, get in their personal space about Jesus or anything like that. But friends, they are spiritually dead. And if they are not introduced to Jesus Christ, they'll be spiritually dead for eternity. All right? Now, that changes things, doesn't it? Uh, in fact, I, get, I encourage you to get a picture off the Internet, okay, and put it wherever you see it. It, it might help you. I don't know. It helps me. And every time you look at that zombie picture, uh, maybe you can just look this one up, uh, you can think, okay, I'm going out to spiritual zombies today. They're dead. They're dead in the water. They have no relationship with God. Uh, they might, depending upon their spiritual background, they might have, uh, you know, a, some type of faith in God, but for whatever reason they're not taught the, the full gospel. We're walking around with spiritual zombies. And, and I, I wish that was kind of the case because that would create an urgency in my heart. Because I'm, every day I'd be looking at these people and saying, oh, there's a, there's a spiritually dead person. There's a spiritually dead person. I, well, you want to help that person on the left, don't you? I mean, you want to say, hey, you can go to hospital. Uh, anything we can do. <laughs> Zombie medication. You want to help that person. And that's how we have to start seeing people, that they're dead spiritually, and they need Jesus. Another concern uh, that I was thinking about this past summer is uh, universalism. Many Christians are buying into universalism, and that's that all roads lead to God. Okay, you're Buddhist, you're, uh, you know, Indian faith, uh, you're a Muslim, you know. As long as they're really committed to their religion, that will lead to God. And that's really been growing uh, in the last 20 years. Ken Oprah has been talking a lot about that. And uh, it's just not the truth. Let's look at John 14:6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, that's a pretty exclusive statement, isn't it? It says, you come through me. That's the only way you're going to get to the Father. So, friends, that's why it's so important 
that God has given us a mission as His church to reach people. The Great Commission. Go therefore and make disciples. Well, you've got to win disciples and then you've got to build disciples. That is what our lives are about. That is just something we, we should remind ourselves regularly of. With everything I have going on in my life, that's what's really happening. Is I need to reach uh, these dead spiritually people uh, that are around me. In fact, it says in Romans 3.10, As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. Again, everybody is spiritually dead until God enters the picture. Uh, now, it talks about in Ephesians 2.2, 2, uh, the state that we all were in, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So that was what we were like before we came to Christ. You were just like all those other zombies, all right? In the way which... In the, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, Satan, right? Uh, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Those people who don't know Jesus. It's so important that we don't judge non-Christians. Now, it's important that we talk about the Word of God and what the Word of God has to say about marriage and what the Word of God has to say about uh, you know, abortion and things of that nature. Uh, we need to stand for the truth. We need to speak the truth. But you've got to remember that these people don't have any spiritual life in them. None. they got no energy from God. they got no Holy Spirit unless the Holy Spirit is drawing them. So what do you expect from them? Really? Now, it's hard in our changing American culture where we're getting away from the uh, Christian, Christian uh, Judeo ethic, and so people are really, you know, Satan's really taking them low. I mean, Satan has had thousands of years, and he has who knows how many demons that he's trained. And, and these demons, and say, they know us back and forth. People don't change much. And, and they know how to manipulate us. And Satan's number one job is to keep people from knowing the gospel. He wants to drag as many people down with him. Because he knows that's where he's going. So he wants to create a culture that promises people all these Things that are lies, that this will fulfill your life, that this will you know, make you finally feel <laughs> uh, fulfilled or bring the pleasure uh, that you want. And again, it never really happens. It happens for a short time, of course, uh, but earthly pleasures are momentary. And so that's what Satan does. You know what, he, what Satan does with Christians? He wants to distract us. And we have the good news, right? God has called us to tell other people. So the best thing he can do is just distract us. And we're all incredibly busy. Anybody not busy here? I have some work I need to be done. Okay, we're all incredibly busy. All right? And uh, so therefore, we fill our lives with all wonderful things. But, and that's okay. But the important thing is that we not get distracted from our main mission here on earth. And that is to show who Jesus Christ is to people 
who are lost. They need Jesus. And we need to make it a priority. So I want you to take your green sheet out at this time. And uh, I want you to fill in that first portion on the back side. What if you never followed Jesus? What if you never followed Jesus? So we talked about these zombies. What if you never were made alive in Christ? What if you just continued on in your zombie ways? And uh, we're going to uh, come out as well and uh, talk to you, or you talk to us, uh, about your thoughts. We'll give you a minute or so to write down some thoughts. And then we will, uh, anybody who would like to share with us uh, can do that. But what would your life be like without Jesus? Now, my mother led me to Christ, and I was five years old, so it's kind of hard to say. <laughs> but at the same time, um, some of you came to Christ at a later age, and uh, uh, you know you might have gone down a different pathway without Jesus. Anybody like to share? How many became a Christ follower um, after you were 30? Raise your hand. Okay. All right. Well, I got some stories there, right? Your life was headed in one direction, and then Jesus came in, and boom, changed everything. All right. Steve? Well, I know what it would have been like. I would make an appearance in church, and uh, I would be captain of my ship 24-7 the other hours of the week. That's what it was like for me. All right. Very good. Who else? Thank you, thank you. I was a very bitter and angry person, and I didn't know how lost I was until he came into my life. Amen, amen. Well, I would still be lost doing my own thing. I grew up in the church, but... And nobody really explained to me what that was all about, so I was just doing my own thing, having fun. And i got to say, when I came to Springbrook, and um, I was told that we, we're here for God, we're supposed to be doing what He wants to do, and I'm like, oh, so the light came on for me. And so um, that's what I do. I just do for God now. Amen. And one more, Dan, back there. I think for me, um, when I was married, um, when I found out that my husband was having an affair, um, I would have gone after the woman and hurt her and damaged her property, and I would have wound up in jail, and that's exactly what she wanted me to do. And I was so thankful that I had and have the Lord um, 
and they're divorced now, which is great. But not that it means anything, but I'm just saying. <laughs> what goes around comes around. But at any rate, um, so he has saved me from um, a lot of hatred and anger that uh, I, I would have um, done. I would have felt like I'm the one that has to, you know, seek revenge, but he's the one that takes care of everything. So I'm just thankful for that. Okay. Amen. All right. You see, friends, as you start to reflect upon that, and uh, some of us, you know, came to Christ later in life, so we kind of knew which direction we were going in. But uh, you start to think about how your life is so different because you know and love Jesus Christ. And uh, how still imperfect you are, but at the same time, uh, you know that God has brought so many blessings, just like with Sandy saying in terms of how she reacted to that situation. Uh, the Holy Spirit empowers us to re- react supernaturally uh, to, to, to life situations when normally we would do what, you know, a d- dead spiritual zombie would do, okay? And, and I tell you, that's what you need to think about in terms of motivating you to be a witness. You need to think, okay, I've got Jesus Christ in my life and I know all the beauty of it and I enjoy it every day. And this happens to all of us. But we say, hey, why am I not telling other people? Because other people really need Jesus too. They need Jesus as much as... as, uh, as I do. So, thank you. All right. Now we'll look at verse... Uh, oh, verse uh, 4. Now, it says, but God. There are a lot of beautiful buts in the Bible. It's true. There are a lot of beautiful buts. <laughs> in the Bible. Uh, remember conjunction, junction? <laughs> well, oh, it's a wonderful uh, conjunction. Uh, but God. Whenever you see but God, you know something good is coming. All right? God is entering into a very difficult situation and He is showing up. And He is going to change things. Being rich in mercy. Being rich in mercy. Uh, mercy is, you know, withholding from what we deserve, God's wrath. You know, He chose not to express His wrath to those people who put faith in Him because of the great love with which He has loved us. Don't you love that? I mean, God, God's love, I mean, He's perfect, but then He says, great love with which He loved us. And it goes on, verse 5, And even when we were dead in our trespasses, so we were zombies, okay, uh, He made us alive together with Christ. Now, just think of a zombie, okay? And, and think about that zombie like we saw up on the uh, slide, becoming whole again. You know, fresh skin, just alive. And that's what happened to many of us when we put our faith in Jesus Christ 
alone. By grace, you have been saved. Nothing that you've done. You didn't have any in with God. (laughs) Nothing. Nothing. You've thought or done. Influence God uh, to come into your life. It was just by His grace and His mercy. And raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ. And this is very significant. Sometimes we forget this. That when we become a Christ follower, Christ comes within us and we are now in Christ. That's the mystery of what happens. We are now in Christ. Now, where is Christ? Well, Christ is at the right hand of the Father. He's seated up there on the throne. You look in Colossians 3.1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So, positionally, you're seen as righteous. All the sins have been wiped off the books. Uh, You are in heaven, positionally, as a Christ follower. And you are in Christ, and Christ is seated at the right hand of God. I was talking with a a friend this past week, and she was telling me about just some very difficult circumstances going on in her life, and it was very frustrating, very painful. And she said, Dan, I think about this verse. She she says, "I, I imagine myself in Christ, looking down on the world, looking at my circumstances, you know. I'm looking down on myself and the people involved in these things, and it brings me so much peace. Why does that bring her so much peace? Because she realizes that God is sovereign, that God is in control. What she thinks is just totally messed up and out of control when she imagines her true position next to God in Christ. It gives her a peace because God is going to work through these situations. Just another beautiful gift that we have when we become a Christ follower. Then we go on. Uh, <laughs> the great thing about God, He just keeps on giving. He keeps on giving. Uh, in verse 7, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Jesus Christ. So, whatever you have experienced so far in your Christian life in this world, it's just a taste, a taste of what is yet to come. Notice it says, In the coming ages, that doesn't mean the next decade, okay? (laughs) That means eternity, all right? He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Oh, man, you've been blessed in this life. Oh, just wait. Just wait until the next life. Um, It's just so cool. God just continues to to take care of us and, and show us things and treats us in ways, of course, that we don't deserve. But it's all of His wonderful grace and mercy. So let's go back to our green sheet. Let's take a look at it again. And the question now is, who are the people who introduced you to Jesus? Think about that. 
Now, typically, uh, what the studies say is that a person has to be exposed to Jesus seven different times on average, uh, the gospel, in order for really to sink in for the Holy Spirit to bring it home. And so uh, it usually is a journey. As many of you know, it takes years sometimes for some people to come uh, to Christ. Just, just write down who introduced you to Jesus. And probably it's a series of people. God uses um, the gospel, of course, scriptures. That's his main tool. That's his revel- the revelation of himself. And then he also uses a people. People. He uses people. So that's why it's so important. I mean, when people think about evangelism, they think, oh man, I've got to get my big Bible and my tract, and I've got to go talk to somebody and feel uncomfortable. No, 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 no. All you have to do is continue to plant seeds in that person's life. You need, I mean, if, let's say, you know, like I've said before, I'll remind you again, you know, when people ask you about your weekend, you say, hey, I went to church, and this is what I learned. Okay, I mean, they asked, didn't they? <laughs> it just depends, of course, upon the relationship. But just talking about church things, talking about your friends, or answers to prayer. Hey, that's a simple thing. I mean, hey, what's going on? You know, whatever. And, hey, you wouldn't believe God answered this prayer. Well, people will think I'm kooky. You are kooky, aren't you? Because you're not a zombie like them. God does wonderful things. And it's just little things like that. Or if a person has a felt need in their life, an issue in their family, uh, to point them to a web resource, you know, just email to them, hey, this might be helpful for you. Or, you know, it depends on the book or some type of resource. And just loving them. That's what evangelism is. It's just loving them. Letting the love of Christ flow through you. That's how you introduce people to Jesus. As I mentioned, my mom introduced me uh, to Jesus. And I was blessed to grow up in a church just like uh, Springbrook. And uh, they discipled me and they just gave me incredible gifts that I've carried throughout life and that uh, God has allowed me to, you know, lead a church and uh, lead my family. And, oh, man, I am so grateful. As I've said many times before, it all started back in the early 1900s when uh, a guy witnessed over the fence to my great-grandfather. If he would have just said, oh, no, he wouldn't be interested, hey, I'm not be here, you know. I mean, that's how God works. It's amazing. So anybody want to speak to uh, who introduced them to Jesus? When I was eight years old, we moved to a different town. I had no friends, but one person in school in my class invited me to go to Sunday school with her. And she had her parents pick me up in Hinsdale every Sunday and take me to church in Western Springs. At that time, I don't remember this, but apparently I accepted the Lord as my Savior. But my parents pulled me out of the church because the church was recommending baptism. For the next five years, 
I never went to church anywhere. And my life went straight downhill. One day, this same person, Juanita Turek, called me and invited me to High C Group. And she said, it's not, a, it's not a church. We meet in homes, so your parents will let you go. And I, at this time, I didn't want to go anymore. So I, I said, no, you know they won't let me go. And she said, ask them. I said, no, you know they won't let me go. She said, ask them. She insisted and insisted that I ask them. So finally I said, Mom, it's that Juanita Turek. She wants me to go to a youth group type thing with her. Please say I can't go because I don't want to go. <laughs> well, guess what? My mom took a turnabout and said, no, you should go to things like that. <laughs> Later, I accepted the Lord for real this time, and I knew what it meant. And Juanita said to me, do you know, I never gave up on you. I prayed for you every day for the five years that your parents wouldn't let you go. Isn't that beautiful? Wow. See, friends, as we, as we show the love and the gospel of Jesus Christ to people. I mean, think of Andrea here. Over the years, how many people she's touched, how many people she's loved, led to the Lord, and discipled. That is what is so exciting. When, when a person comes to Jesus, you know... It can affect people for hundreds of years. Isn't that amazing? That is cool, isn't it? Yeah. All right. I was raised Catholic, and uh, I knew about Jesus, but I didn't have a relationship with him. And um, as I grew older, I didn't go to church. And... um, Here I am in a workplace with a Christian woman who wasn't afraid to talk about Christ. And um, we just had a wonderful relationship. You know, I liked her, and and, um, I was interested in what she had to say. (laughs) You know, she talked about it every day. (laughs) So um, uh, she got me interested, and she gave me a Bible. And, um, yes. I uh, learned from her, and I did learn from the Word. Amen. Thank you, Anita, so much. All right. Well, let's move on here. And, uh, and this is one thing. What I want you to do, like in every message, is to share this with somebody, uh, to disciple somebody else. And this would be a great family conversation over lunch or with your friend. You know, tell you your spiritual story, who introduced you to Christ, that kind of thing. Oh, some of your kids don't know how you came to Jesus. Maybe a few of you, I don't know, but some have never heard you speak of that. And you need to tell them that. And you need to tell them the ramifications on their life. I mean, give them the big picture, you know. Uh, your parents have such a responsibility to cultivate your kid's spiritual life. So, uh, we move on uh, to the classic verses in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 that we often talk about. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one can boast. For by grace... You have been saved. Then we go on to verse 10. And it says there, 
For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So yeah, God, uh, works don't save us, but God put us here on earth. He wants a relationship with us, and then He wants us to carry out His mission. And of course, a, a core part of that mission is telling people about Jesus. Uh, Romans 10.15, And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. I want to have beautiful feet. Don't you? I want to tell people about Jesus. And everybody, again, don't feel guilty. And if you need to confess something, the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, you haven't been doing whatever. You need to do that. But guilt doesn't help you at all. <laughs> the Holy Spirit, then you just say, oh, God, help me to move out uh, with a new passion to reach uh, people uh, for Jesus Christ. Now, the last question I'd like you to answer on your sheet is, who are people you would like to introduce uh, to Jesus? Who are people that you would like to introduce to Jesus? Uh, take your green sheet out. And, uh, and again, I, I encourage you to always, I always encourage people to think about two categories. I mean, we all are concerned about our family members, aren't we? Of course, that's just natural. But I think you need to take this step of growth. I mean, you certainly can be laser focused on your family members, but you need to step out of that in terms of growing in evangelism, in terms of having a passion for somebody outside uh, your family. After both of them, but I always think it's important as you grow in evangelism that you uh, look at uh, people in your life. So just go ahead and think about that for a moment. All right. Who would like to share? Yeah. Hello, my name is Michelle Stewart. We've been here at this center since they opened. Was it eight years ago? Is that right? Yep. Um, my husband, Dan. Um, I'm kind of combining the three questions because I feel like that um, I need to speak something about sure. our youth here at the church, about our children. I came to Christ at a young age. Um, I remember being baptized in a river at five. But I left the church. I left God. I walked away in my early 20s, and I feel like that late teens, early 20s is a very vulnerable age for our youth. Um, unfortunately, a lot of our youth leave our church, and they leave God, and that's a sad thing. And um, I think a lot of us have uh, fears about working with children, especially as they get older, and I think we need to let go of that. There are subject matters that we're not comfortable with, but I think that we need more people working with our older youth. We definitely need more people working with our young children. But let go of the fears if it's something that's in your heart. We need people to hold on to these young men and women. If you know young men and women that are away from the church now, reach out to them. They need you. They're being pulled by these demons that Pastor Dan is talking about. There's so much in this world that can pull them away from the love of God, the love of God's people. So please just write them a letter, send them an email, text them, whatever it is that you feel led to do, because they need you. Thank you so much, Michelle. Now, isn't that beautiful? 
a beautiful challenge uh, to all of us. And uh, certainly we're starting off our new Kids City uh, program, program here August 31st. And I tell you what, that's another way to be involved in evangelism, right? Because these, these kids don't know Jesus or haven't gotten to that point. And uh, then, of course, Justin and his youth ministry is doing a wonderful job. And then we also have um, a college group. Uh, we just decided to start a co-ed college group. We had a women's discipleship group last year for college-age people. But now we're going to have a co-ed college group. It'll still be focused on discipleship, mostly in small groups, uh, but they'll meet together on Tuesday nights. So if you know of anybody in that you know, age range uh, who you know, might go to MCC, ECC, or work, or whatever, you know, let them know about that. And again, that's great. One more. Anybody? All right. Well, friends, you need to share this. God doesn't do good things in our lives for us. What? Yeah, He doesn't. He does it to be glorified. So every time God does something good in your life, you've got to tell somebody about it. Because that's why He did it. He wants, he wants the glory. I've been working on lawnmowers most of the year. Uh, summer, that is. Uh, lawn tractor that died. Another, <laughs> I went to a garage sale. I got another lawnmower. Uh, that lasted about a month. Okay? A rock, you know, got in it. And I just prayed. And God gave me a Toro Recycler about five years old for a hundred bucks. Okay? So I am testifying. Okay? I am testifying to God answering my prayers. I had a lot of frustration throughout the summer, but this thing came right down. See, that's what I'm talking about. Something as simple as that you testify to. All right. Let's have our ushers come forward. Oh, dear Heavenly Father. What a privilege we have to be your ambassadors. And Lord, I pray for my friends. We'll continue to talk about this and give tools because we really want to reach this area. Uh, I know there's a lot of fears around evangelism. and I just pray that we'd be able to clear those out. I pray that um, we would just really see a lot of conversions this year at Springbrook. And we would pray and just continue to ask you to fuel that fire. In Christ's name, amen.